Let's get educated. That's why we're here, to bring you the stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses. It's time for a little education. Hello everyone, I am Katie Petrick, joined by David Fiorazzo. And Hello. today, yes. today. What is today? It's a very special day. We are celebrating a whole century worth of shows. One whole century, that's right. This is 100. our 100th episode of Educated. And we even got a cake for the staff. That's right. Let them eat cake. Before we get started, though, just a quick note to all of you out there that uh, thank you for watching The Daily Show and for sharing the breakout clips that have garnered more than 12 million views over the last six months. Our Freedom Project Facebook page is nearing 250,000 followers. And while many of our stories are hard to hear, hello, we know in the end, God wins. So here's to the next 100 episodes of educated a whole nother century we're going to be around for that's I, it's so much no episodes not years oh yeah there's a difference my bad there is all right well unfortunately this is what we tend to talk about things on this show including disturbing new videos such as the one we're about to talk about this one shows uh white elementary the youngins, the elementary students in ohio being forced to kneel in front of black students on the school playground and pledge their loyalty to Black Lives Matter. What are we joining here in Ohio on the playground? <laughs> I played football with the guys mm. at recess time. I would, you know, go down to slide, swing on the swings, but no, no. Now you have to pledge loyalty to Black Lives Matter. Yeah, it's, it's one of the those disturbing videos that you see when you're scrolling across social media. You see this story, you go, uh, it's just uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to watch and it's uncomfortable to think about. But here's part of the effect of cultural Marxism in America and the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation Network. So newly released footage reportedly shows white Ohio elementary students dragged, beaten and forced by black peers to pledge loyalty to BLM. So the Blaze previously reported that Springfield police were dispatched to Kenwood Elementary, as Katie said, um, February 13 to deal with possible assaults and menacing offenses that occurred February 10 during recess. According to the report, the school's principal, uh, Evan Hunsaker, told law enforcement that a group of black students herded, not hurt with a T, but herded like a border collie would herd sheep, um, several white students over to the playground and violently coerced them to state black lives matter against their will. The police report um, indicated the alleged assaults were of an anti-white nature. It's interesting they don't say they're racist. <laughs> they're just, no, we're just going to say it's, And it's not a hate uh, no, no, episode just, here. Yeah. Hate crime. Anti-white uh, claimed the suspects also were recording the white students whom were forced to make the statement. So, um, yeah, we have a video. Let's go to that. And again, friends, this is uncomfortable, but it happened. And not only that, it's at an elementary school. So check this out. According to a Springfield police report during recess on February 10th, a group of black students forced a group of white students to say black lives matter. The report says the white students who avoided the situation were chased, dragged or carried back to the spot on the playground. One student reportedly was punched in the head. Springfield police were called the following Monday and say they are pursuing charges against the students involved. In my mind, what this incident should provide is a teachable opportunity 
for discussions among the Kenwood and Springfield communities about respect for your classmates, students, and all community members each and every day. NAACP Springfield Unit President Denise Williams says she wants more information about what led up to the incident on the playground. I need to know what really is the problem and I, I want to make sure that the children involved rights are protected. Yeah, what, what did those uh, little white elementary kids do to egg on the other students to make them uh, hit their knees and bow, pledge allegiance to the altar of Black Lives Matter Global Foundation Network? Massive leftist Marxist movement that's worldwide that garnered billions of dollars. Uh, the co-founders admitted they're Marxists and... You know, you know the rest of the story. They have these mansions, 1.5 or is it, yeah, million dollar mansion. mansion. One of them, yep. Patrice Colors, I think is her name. Yep. So Katie, we're saying the, all the things that we've reported in the first 99 episodes of <laughs> Educated, many of these stories would indicate that we shouldn't be surprised because of what's been going on with this critical race theory mm -hmm. and other things they're teaching in the classroom. Um, that kids would react this way. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, in, in looking at this whole thing, so if you wanted to, you could watch, there's a 17-minute clip, and it doesn't have any sound, but you see the entirety of the playground. You see, and we saw just a little bit in that clip there, like the kids escorting the other, the white kids, off to, you know, basically go make them pledge allegiance. What I never see, again, always, and people are going to question this, where are the adults? Aren't they supervising the children? Can't you see what's happening? And what did it take for this? You see that kid actually come in and punch him and just like be the aggressor. How, how could an, I'm waiting for the adults to run in. Where are the adults to run in? How is it that this even got reported? If they did finally, the good thing is they are taking action in some manner. But how did that even come to be, and how did it take so long for this to happen? So the questions, yeah. as the parent, like a, a parent, mm -hmm. is like, where were the adults, and why is this? And the simple fact that this is at the elementary level, how did those kids, the black students, come to think that, that this was okay? So How did they, they think that it was okay to do this to white students, or any students, obviously? It's just a case of, you know, black kids versus being the aggressors, specifically when race is involved. But I'm just saying... If it was white kids doing this to black kids, it would be the same question. Where did the white kids think, where did they learn that, to think that it was okay to do that to another student, to, to do it to any human? Yeah. Where These are the questions that we all have that we don't mm -hmm. have the information for right yeah, now. The, the um, kids that were forced to kneel there on the sidewalk, they looked a lot younger than the ones it's that, that, that were... So, they did say, you know, it's like, oh, you could clearly see in the video, it's a bigger kid. So again, what's the A couple the of age? them were bigger. Yeah. Is there an age difference as well? I mean, I know people really, elementary? Really, yeah, I mean, haven't yeah. really hit these kids, but but the thing is, I mean, it does say in the police report it was a racially motivated attack, and that's why we're specifying that you know with the black aggressors versus the white students who are being uh, victimized here. But it doesn't matter. It's students attacking any students from saying you must pledge allegiance to something, anything, anything. Yeah. Like why is this being okay? And what they're saying. And this is because it's the whole elementary component. Uh -huh. Well, this is a teachable moment. The, is it really going to be a teachable moment, though? Like, how are, how are the adults in the room actually handling this as a teachable moment? Not just a, 
well, you shouldn't do that, kids. Okay, carry on. You know, like, are they actually going to engage with these students to help them understand that it doesn't matter what color your skin is. You do not do that. Well, End of story to any student. Well, I, I agree. And again, what, what has been allowed to happen in America starting with 2020 and the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, the riots and the over $1 billion worth of damage and um, the people that were murdered on city streets and the businesses that were uh, burned down, uh, officers assaulted over 2,000 and uh, 16,000 arrests. I mean, that's, that's all some of what has bled down now to the school system. Um, but anyway, here's one thing. The, the district did release a statement, oh, Katie. Oh, yes, excellent. Yes, that they are, quote, committed to providing our students with a safe learning environment where they look forward to attending every single day. Yes, well, yep. clearly the, for both sides, the students who are the aggressors and the students who yeah. were the victims aren't enjoying being there every single day because if you were enjoying being there, you wouldn't act out like this. And obviously yeah. if you're not being beaten, you would maybe then want to be in school. <laughs> but if you're being victimized as such, why would any student want to go? There was a report from one of the, I think it was the mother of one of the victims who was a 12-year-old said, yeah, my kid is scared to go to school now. Yep. Well. Makes sense. We started that off with a bang. Still to come, a New York teacher is being sued after allegedly, allegedly manipulating a fifth grade girl into changing her gender without ever telling the girl's parents true story we're talking about that next well we have uh, more needing of action being taken against teachers who are trying to hide gender changes of students without parent consent and we have a new york teacher who is now being sued uh -oh. for allegedly manipulating a fifth grade girl into changing gender without her parents' consent. I'm telling you, wow. these are going to be the stories we are reporting on more and more. Yep. How many teachers, administrators, school boards, whatever policies they have, are hiding these whole ways of getting wow. our children to be confused about gender this is there evil. are two this is male evil. and female yep. there are two not 73 but we'll get to that another time i'm amazed how how they even think they can get away with this even if it's the school policy well and that's the it, some of the most grotesque things are hidden right out in plain sight hidden in plain sight it's hidden out so much is hidden in plain sight because we just take for granted everything. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you looked at, I don't know, you sign up for a credit card or whatever, and it's like three pages of hidden small oh, text, yeah. fine print. Yeah, and, you're and like, yeah, okay. you read everything. Right? You have no idea what <laughs> exactly. you're signing off on. Same thing happens. Teacher handbooks, parent handbooks, mm. school policies, hidden in plain sight. No one, no one pays attention to it. Yeah. All right, well, back to this. The New York teacher. Well, it's actually a nine-year-old child, which I thought was interesting being in fifth grade. Nine. I would think that would be more like fourth grade, but it, it's nine-year-old, it says. Um, who was being taught by Deborah Rosenquist at the Terryville Road Elementary School in Long Island. The nine-year-old girl identifies as a girl, right, but was being called a boy's name and given male pronouns in class. Now, this is a damning lawsuit that claims Rosenquist started calling the fifth grader Leo and using he him pronouns in class back in October of 2021, unbeknownst to the girl's parents. Oh, so the teacher that this girl is with eight hours a day, five days a week, 
is just calling her over and over. He, him, Leo. Hey, Leo, Leo, he, him. Nine-year-old girl. Her brain's going to get messed up. She's not going to, like, you know, you can try and put yourself in her shoes, right? Now, it was only months later, January of 2022, when the girl was caught drawing a picture of a suicidal girl with the words, I want to kill myself. Wow. That's when the parents were informed that she was being called male pronouns in school. Wow. Nine years old. This is... You can see what I'm saying when the girl's mind then is like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what's going on because I have my parents at home calling me one thing. And then I'm with this teacher, I'm putting air quotes up, teacher, like 40 hours a week. Influencer. Influencer. All right. But maybe it's not Rosenquist's fault. Oh. Maybe it's just Rosenquist is doing the devil's work. And so you can't really blame her. Just... Blame the devil. Because here's what Rosenquist does. She also allegedly read from LGBT books that were not on the school district's curriculum and told her of students course. to, you know, try being gay, even if they were not. Hey, fifth graders, try being gay. Yep, she... <coughs> but this, this case of this teacher activist is, I'm sure, an isolated case. I'm sure this is just one case in the whole country where a teacher like this is an activist, not just influencing or suggesting a certain thing to a nine-year-old, but an activist, right? Sorry, Katie, I had to butt in there. So here's Rosenquist furthering her little agenda here. Jeez. She would read aloud and provide her students graphic books about gender and sexuality. Of course, again, not in the curriculum. Now she created her own LGBT book called I Am Neither, which she had in her classroom. So she, look at her just peddling her own materials um she would also read students when aiden becomes a brother which is a book about transitioning surgery and hormones which again was not in the curriculum and uh, in when aiden becomes a brother the mother admits misgendering her son and apologized for the pronoun mistake it by the way has most recently been banned from curriculums in uh, florida school districts so there are always some people out there who are saying, nope, we shouldn't have this in our schools, but not not in Rosenquist's room. Oh, no. Hey, She's got stuff to do. Katie, what's that sticker on the book cover? Uh, Stonewall Book Award? What 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 is that, pray tell? Horrible is what it is. We're, are we going back to the 1960s we're, we're, or we're 70s? Giving, yeah, we're giving awards out now for, you know, fight the power. The Stonewall riots. Let's just, let's just hey. The gay rebellion. It's all of it. Homosexual rebellion. Just do it. Just yeah. fight the power. That's so, all it is. Yeah, so that book got an award for it. Of course. So, hey, that means everyone should read it. <laughs> now, um, here's what also happened. The child, obviously, we haven't named a name because we're going to protect her rights. Um, they met with a district psychologist. And the girl, the nine-year-old, told the psychologist that she was confused about her gender identity. I, uh, David, I can't imagine why. How did this happen that she became confused about her gender identity when she's with this teacher, Rosenquist, all week long and only at nighttime and then on the weekends is she with those things called mm, her parents? Well, it's interesting you, you mentioned the book and whatever else she was doing. Oh, it's not in the curriculum. And again, this is an isolated case, I'm sure, mm-hmm. where a teacher, you know, just is, is not sticking with the curriculum. But even the curriculum in many of these school districts in many of the schools is awful when it comes to this kind of stuff, this indoctrination. Yeah. And so just to, to wrap this baby up, mm-hmm. um, 
after there was a meeting with superintendent and there was an investigation, as they're saying, here's what happened. The girl was removed from, from Rosenquist's class, but don't worry, the rest of the children were left behind. And when the nine-year-old actually moved in the new classroom, then, of course, her peers bullied her. So great, now we have all this bullying, and that's going to cause even more mental stress on her. But at least we have a lawsuit in place. I hope the parents actually pull the case. Obviously, she needs to be pulled from that school. I can't wait to hear the, the lawsuit, the outcome of this. I really am looking forward to seeing what, what's going to happen. Absolutely. Now, when we come back, we have a Colorado elementary school's private emails revealing that school officials are devising a secret plan. Mm, to hide the students' gender transitions from their parents. So keep a close eye on your school's parents. We're going to talk about it next. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at MyPillow. Save up to 66% on pristine quality bedding, towels, slippers, signature pillows, and much more when you use the code EDUCATED. That's E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, EDUCATED. Support this show and a great American company. Well, we have some more hiding of the gender. Where really? We, yes, we do. We have a Colorado elementary school's private emails, hoo, 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 which were obtained through an open records request, and it revealed that school officials devised a secret plan secret. to hide students' gender transitions from their parents. Wait a minute, Katie Patrick. So what you're saying is that previous story that we did is not an isolated case? No, David, it is not. It is at least number two in our little newsflash, newsflash to you. There will be plenty more, unfortunately. <laughs> now, uh, according to screenshots of the email exchange that was shared by Nicole Solis, who I am giving some kudos out to. I've seen her name a lot more. Hmm. She's a senior fellow with Independent Women's Forum. She's like putting on blast on Twitter and uh, filing open records requests left and right and getting this information out to you, the parents. So kudos to Nicole Solis. Mm -hmm. Well, she uh, had the screenshots of these emails we have an elementary school assistant principal in the uh, Pudre School District in Fort Collins, Colorado, who requested guidance from the district on, you know, how to address students whose parents explicitly instructed school officials not to use their child's preferred pronouns and chosen name. So if the kid all of a sudden came home to mom and dad and said, oh, I'm a girl, but I want to be a he, him, the parents were like, no, at school, always, <laughs> it's female, use she, her, you know. So the parents are explicitly stating, do not use what my eight-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old is saying, I'm the adult, listen to what the adult is, yeah. okay? That's where we're going. So uh, Laurel Elementary School Assistant Principal Amanda Pawleski, or Pawleski, uh, contacted the PSD's Chief Equity and Academic Officer. Of course. What a title. That's that person's job. Equity comes Mar before academics. Mm, this is true. Marlena Gross-Taylor on March 31st of last year of 2022 asking how school staff could support gender questioning students while still being, you know, covered legally. So I guess it's good that the assistant principal was reaching out to know what to do, but what are her intentions behind that? It's like, hey, what can I get away with? That's what it's sounding more mm -hmm. like. Because she wrote, I'm wondering about what to do when an elementary school student has expressed their pronouns and chosen name, but their parents directly tell school staff not to call the student by those pronouns. You're wondering what to do? Yeah, as the adult in the room, you're Jeez. wondering what to do. Here's where it gets her, like, true intentions. She said, I feel very strongly about supporting the student, but I've heard that we legally have to follow the parent's direction due to the age of the child. Again, 
elementary. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. These are elementary age children. Wow. Okay. Then equity officer here, Gross Taylor, forwarded her email to the district's LGBTQIA plus coordinator, another position Uh-oh. that they're paying for. Wow. Shana uh, Sightchick, and another school official named Darcy Vodica. Wonder what her title Vodica. is. Yeah, right. In the email to Gross Taylor, Sightchick explains that she and Darcy, they met to discuss the assistant principal's inquiry. We're getting all the adults involved in this, inquiring, what should we do? What should we do? And according to Sightchick, she says that Darcy and I met to discuss this and both agree that the school should use the student's affirming name and pronouns at the school and use their legal name and corresponding pronouns when talking with the family until they are supportive. That's not deceptive or anything. Of the student's new name and pronouns. Darcy and I. So basically, we met and we, um, yeah, this is what we believe because we're LGBTQIA plus coordinators and such. And so we believe what you should do is not actually follow what is true, but what we want. So use the kids' pronouns, but in the legal stuff. Okay, then in the legal stuff, you know, when the parents are kind of like involved, then we'll use what the parents want. They clearly stated in these emails of what to do to be deceptive. Yep. And of course, purpose. can you just tell me, uh, David, what is the, the school's response? Can you, oh, I mean, sure. you got the voice for it. Sure. Although Padre School District will not comment on specific students, the full email thread was provided through a November 2022 open records request does show that the school responded affirmatively to the family that the child was using a preferred name and pronoun while at the school well while at school when asked directly. This is clearly stated in the March 31, 2022 email. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah. Just so everyone's aware as well. Um the one inquiring about all of this, I mean, she's she's brilliant on her own. She did, she was selected as assistant elementary school principal of the year. And that's why she needed to go through all these other <laughs> adults to ask a simple question of, are boys boys and girls girls? Or should we just listen to whatever well, the whims of the seven-year-old are? Just her response, though, I feel very strongly about supporting the student. Yes. But, but that stinking law. That law. You know, so what can law we do? What can we, we do? Because <laughs> they're a minor or whatever. We have to go by the parents' wishes. What do the parents know? Right. Ugh. Anyway, still to come, how hard do you actually work on Mondays? Do you work hard at all? Sometimes harder than the rest of the week. Well, you're an anomaly because a new TikTok trend has millennials my group, now using the phrase bare minimum Monday. I wonder what that could mean. We're going to learn more about it. Stay with us. If you have a smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Apple TV, consider downloading the Freedom Project media app. It's 100% free and includes all of our weekly shows, plus lecture series, archive programs, and award-winning animated videos for families like the Presidential Minute, Battles of America, and Heroes of the West. Don't rely on the social media giants to keep you informed. Simply download the Freedom Project media app from your app store and allow notifications. And we'll let you know when a new video is ready. Well, a new TikTok trend is encouraging uh, taking it easy on the first day of the week. It's called Bare 
Minimum Mondays. You thought it was something else, huh? Bare minimum. <laughs> anyway, uh, TikTok users are fascinated by the idea of bare minimum Mondays, a trend which encourages employees to slack off, exert just a very little bit of effort, you know, don't overextend yourself the first day of the work week. And we're going to kick this off with a video. A Monday morning in your late 20s. You're on week two of actually waking up with your alarm instead of hitting snooze with help from the face roller you just pulled from the freezer. You turn on bird sounds because TikTok said it's good for your nervous system. You play your favorite word game to remind yourself that you're allowed to prioritize fun for the sake of fun, and you win, despite not having coffee yet. You journal in Notion and fight the urge to check your email. You do all five steps of your skincare routine and make your coffee. Your new straws make you happy. You used to hate Mondays, but now you love them. You started doing this thing called Bare Minimum Monday to change your relationship to the beginning of the week, and it's working. You put on your favorite jacket. It was your grandfather's. Instead of starting work right away, you do a few more things for yourself. It's Bare Minimum Monday, remember? You hang up new art in your office. It's not mass-produced. This makes you happy. You make the breakfast that you're currently hyper-fixated on and watch something new from one of the Neistat brothers. You put on your indoor shoes and get ready to spend an hour focused on your creative project of choice. Because work on Bare Minimum Monday doesn't start until noon. What would my great-grandparents think about Bare Minimum Mondays, Katie Petrick? I'm telling you, you need to just write a book called What Would My Grandparents <laughs> what Say? What would my great-grandparents say? I, okay, I, I like <laughs> to joke that I ease, in, ease into the week, right? <laughs> my Mondays now have become ease into the week. Not at noon and not with all of the, the stuff that she's doing. I ain't got time Playing for that. Playing a game, using her favorite straws. She walking on a her little, treadmill in a her apartment. A little pampering in the morning, I guess. Doing her pampering, and uh, you noticed how many Jeez. times she referenced like TikTok or just technology and her devices and doing all these yeah. things. Yeah, the experts at TikTok. And, you know, the experts suggest. at TikTok said I should do this, and then I'm watching a video by this one guy, and then I'm, you know, do I'm doing all of these things that are for my feelings and for what I want, not for. I have a job that I'm getting paid for and I should probably do it because it's bare minimum Mondays. I wonder what employers think about this idea. <laughs> well, we're seeing it where most, I mean, I just read a, a headline the other day where it was saying there are now two job or two jobs for every one person looking or something. So like you have options out there, like mm. they, there are jobs needing to be filled because these people are doing bare minimum minimum not only mondays but basically all the time because when the government gives you enough money to survive <laughs> you don't need to work just live off daddy government but anyway <laughs> if you're a fan of this show specifically this one today yes. number 100 100 please if you could like comment share this video and you know subscribe that'd be great too if you're seeing us for the first time, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us for the 100th episode. And thank you for sharing the stories that we discuss every day. We do need all the help we can get to keep our parents informed. <laughs> now for David and myself, for the 100th time, <laughs> thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And thank you for supporting what we do. Until next time, stay educated. Educated is directed and produced by Mike Menzel. Hosted by Katie Petrick and David Fiorazzo. Makeup and hair by Katie Scholl. Graphics designed by Dan Kaler. Educated is owned by Freedom Project Media. See other shows and content at freedomproject.com or download the Freedom Project Media app. Copyright 2023.